it's a simplification of human behavior, obviously. They all are, but but as, as long as you know what to do with it, as long as you understand how you can use it and in what way, what it's not showing you, then it's very beneficial, I would say. That's Thomas Erickson, the author of Surrounded by Idiots. Thomas is an expert in the DISC profile. And do you ever get those letters mixed up? I sure do. Thomas has created a four-color, two-by-two matrix to help all of us understand basic personality types. And yes, this can be a polarizing topic in some circles. Some can call these assessments bogus. Others, well, they live and swear by them. But don't worry, we're going to address all of these questions and more. I'm Mark Gandy, and this is CFO Bookshelf. I'm Mark Gandy. This is CFO Bookshop, the show for lifelong learners in any area of business. In the past, I've been a skeptic of personality assessments like Predictive Index, MBTI, Culture Index, and many others. However, Thomas Erickson has boiled the ocean and his books surrounded by idiots down to its simplest parts. The title, again, Surrounded by Idiots. I love it. Great title. And that's where we pick up with this conversation. But I, I, I met this entrepreneur who was actually surrounded by idiots. That's all he was talking about. Idiots here, idiots there, idiots everywhere. And I, 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 was, I was a young man. I was supposed to kind of sort of help him out. These days, I don't understand what I was thinking, but I, I had a strong self-confidence uh, then. And I, I, I asked him the only thing that I could do was to, to ask him, who brought in all the idiots and and he he kicked me out of that meeting and so so therefore i can remember that uh, that uh, session with this guy this man who was in his actually late 60s by then i was 29 maybe what was i thinking i have no idea but it got stuck and and i i had been working with the behavioral uh, patterns, let's say, and 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 uh, management, leadership, all these kind of things, communication styles, and different stuff. And 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 I was a thriller author before, so I said to myself, maybe I should write a book on this specific topic. And uh, so I went went away. So I was shopping around at the publishing houses here in Sweden, and they all said, "What's it going to be called?" And I said, "Surrounded by idiots." Uh, they quickly told me I was the idiot. And uh, it was an ugly cover. The cover design is my own, basically. And they said, it's a stupid title. It's an ugly cover. No one's interested. Go back to writing thrillers. I did not take that advice at all. So I put the book together anyways. Nobody wanted to publish it. I had to self-publish it, actually. I was driving around with... I had no budget for anything. I was driving around in my car, boxes in the back of my car, you know. Pushing the books on to say, take three books, five, to take one book. And people looked at it and said, What is this? Oh, no, it's what idiots. No. And, and that's how it actually started. I think the title is probably a part of, of, of the success a little bit, I guess, because it, it draws your attention to it, I guess. Uh, well, it gets my attention. Yeah. Uh, what I for, I've bought it several years ago. And I, when I just saw the title, I didn't even look at the contents. I just hit buy immediately. I just thought th- this is okay. This is great. Good on you. Uh, I like that. <laughs> by the way, by the way, uh, you are not the idiot. I think a lot of us listening would probably say to that, that CEO who, who was the idiot who hired these idiots. So I, I don't think that was Maybe such a, a bad question, although I understand the consequences. In the beginning of the book, which includes that story, uh, in the forward, there is a origin story uh, written by a programmer who had worked with his father. That's a great origin story. I want to hear your origin story. Now, we just heard part of it. When did your fascination with assessments and specifically this, when did that start to take shape and why? Well, it actually began even before this, this uh, devastating meeting with this entrepreneur. I, I took on my first managing position at the age of 24. And I was, I was really smart back then. You know, I knew everything. I, 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 I entered the room and I just 
expected people to be fantastic just uh, by my presence. I know it sounds really silly, and it was kind of, well, silly. It was super stupid. And the thing was, I did really bad. All they came to me with, I, I just said, well, fix it. Well, what about this? Well, fix it. And then the staff said, well, what about that? Well, fix it, fix it. I didn't know. I didn't have any answers to anything, basically. And and after a while, they I mean, things turned out really ugly. And, and I went to my manager's managers two levels up and said, you have to, ta- have to take me out of this equation because I don't know what I'm up to here. I, I, I'm only messing things up. And he said, you better stay put, son, because your manager is even worse than you. She's not even here. So you 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 hang in there, and then finally, after a year or so, I managed to actually get away from this position, which is actually as bad as it sounds. And you know, when you have this meeting, when you're sort of uh, uh, getting in a new step in your career, and and you you sit around the coffee table, you have a piece of cake and drink some coffee, and people congratulate you and say good luck in the future, you know, and and they hand over a present. They didn't give me anything. I gave them a plant and I said, I, I'm sorry. I, I, sorry for messing up your, your, your daily work so much as I did. And at the end of that meeting, one lady got felt so bad for me. So she said, well, it turned out a little better at the end, I guess. It was, oh, it was horrible, horrible. And two weeks later, the HR department called me up and said, hey, how about taking this personality assessment? Would you like to learn more about yourself, they said. And I said, well, why not? I'm, I'm a willing learner. So I got in there and I took the assessment. I answered the questions, 24 questions, and they handed me uh, a piece of paper. Well, it was a document, 15, 20 pages, something. And I read this tiny little book about myself. And I recognize, you know, I recognize, Mark, all of it. I would say 98%. And it was horrifying and it was painful. And I looked looked at the at the HR lady with a horror in my eyes and said, "Is this what people see when they meet me?" And she said, "Yes, it is. Would you like to talk about it?" And I said, "No, but we better do that anyway." So that was my first first contact, and I was a little bit scared. How can something be so precise and so accurate? Because who have they been talking to? She said, no, no, it's in the system. This is how this tool works. And I was fascinated and scared and frightened at the same time. So that was my first contact. And after that, I have been testing several different kind of assessment tools, let's call them. And this is the one that I kind of go back to all the time because of its, it's a simplification of human behavior, obviously. They all are, but... But as, as long as you know what to do with it, as long as you understand how you can use it and in what way, what it's not showing you, then it's very beneficial, I would say. We'll be right back. Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it? And what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host, Matt Heslin, brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. Before we jump in into the book, I want to mention two things about the product itself. The Kindle version, I just want to state whoever did the design work in the Kindle version, they did a great job. Sometimes it's hard to bring images over to get rendered into the Kindle version. The color and the images are outstanding. So kudos, whoever was your uh, Kindle formatter. I also have the Audible version, and I've listened to the Audible version. And for anyone listening to it, it's easy to forget if there's a PDF version, part of the product, people forget that. Well, guess what? There's a PDF version. Again, it's outstanding. It has all of your images. It also has one of the tests to quiz your knowledge of the subject matter. So again, I just want to praise whoever is involved in the Audible version and the Kindle they got it right. 
So let's jump Happy into thank you. Let's jump into the the basics. Why? Why should we even be interested? And, and again, we're going to talk, we could talk about all assessments, but let's just focus on DISC because that's the topic in your book. What is the why? You, you had this extraordinary, insightful experience, and it was probably even a little bit liberating as well. That was another word that I was thinking he might say. But what is the mm, why? That's true. What is the why to DISC and taking it? Most people struggle with, uh, let's say, misunderstandings, uh, miscommunication, conflict, obviously, uh, finding yourself not getting along with people that you actually kind of like and still what's going on here. I mean, it could be your spouse. It could be a, a business partner. It could be anybody. I mean, human interaction is sort of complicated still after, what, 200,000 years, 300,000 years, something. Still, we haven't kind of figured it out completely. And for me, the why is simple. The more you understand about yourself, the less conflict you're going you're, you're gonna to get in your life. And some people might say, well, there's nothing wrong with conflict. And that might be true. Some conflicts are... Uh, very beneficial, very useful. You can learn, you can grow uh, from conflicts and you can get feedback and everything. But conflicts based on misunderstandings, that's just useless because it just takes time and gives you a headache. Conflict based on different opinion can be fruitful and, 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 and interesting, definitely. I am not conflict-divert at all, but I don't have time for misunderstandings and, and you know, all, all the stirred up emotions and all the messy feelings that can, you know, totally ruin a, a working place if people don't understand each other, keep talking, you know, stabbing each other in the back because that's an idiot and he doesn't know and what is, who does she think she is and everything. So for me, it's about a smoother daily interaction with everybody you actually meet. And it starts with yourself. I talk a lot about social competence or social skills, if you like. And that is basically what you, the understanding of how your actions affect other people's actions. What you do have an effect on everybody else's doings. And when you understand how and, and in what way, what you can do about it, all of a sudden you sort of can, can, you can turn some of the switches in a different direction. You can sort of, a little bit here and a little bit there, more of this, less of that, and so on. And all of a sudden you realize, wow, it's getting smoother and smoother because now I don't step on people's toes all the time. I mean, most conflicts and most, when the chain breaks, it's basically about bad communication. I would guesstimate would be, I don't know, 90% bad communication. And it doesn't have to be that way, actually. About 25% of my current and past clients, so if I include all clients, present and past, about 25% use DISC, some form of DISC. And I always get confused with the letters. I mean, I, I, I always have to remember, now what does the D stand for? Okay, dominance. Uh, what's the I stand for? So I never really get it. But you've come up with a coloring system, which we'll mention in a minute. But you also look at the the four letters in the form of an a two by two grid. Could you explain before we hit the colors? Can we talk about the axes? Can we talk about the x axis, the y axis? How do you just delineate those two? Absolutely. Well, the x axis that is of course extroversion versus introversion, which is this is a long discussion among. Uh, psychologists and researchers in the in the world saying what is extroversion and introversion really some people say it's about energy it's about getting your energy from outside yourself or from within yourself uh, I think that's kind of an accurate descri description I would say uh, that's how I use it some people like open office landscapes and some some hate them and that's usually connected to if you're an extrovert or an introvert of course, there's nothing wrong or right with this. It's just different uh, kind of uh, 
behavior patterns, let's call them. And you can have you can be somewhere on the scale from left to right, and then you're probably an ambivert, which is easier for you because you can tilt yourself a little bit to the left or to the right and, and, and so on, or to extroversion or introversion. Um, the other axis is, is uh, task orientation versus people orientation. If you're more interested in things, in tasks, in assignments, then you are in the team that you work with if we take the work environment. And not saying task-oriented people don't care about people, but they they uh, they emphasize the task. Basically, they say, okay, what are we up to? What's going to happen here? What does it look like? Okay, what's the goal? What result do you expect from me? And so on. And the people-oriented people, they are more like, okay, so who's in the team? Is it you? Is it me? Are we working together? You know, that's, hey, that's great. Working on your own is kind of boring. I don't want to do that. I want to be in a team, in a good team with fascinating, interesting people, you know. So they ask first who's in, who's going to join in on this. And then they say, okay, so what's the goal here, you know. And uh, you probably need a combination of this because if you go too much in a task-oriented let's say on the top of this axis, you might look a little bit too corporate and too kind of sort of a little bit uh, cold-hearted, basically. And if you're only interested in, in relationships at work, well, who knows what's going to happen with the assignment it's, uh, in itself, you know. So, so and therefore, it's so important to have an insight to con- that you can be able to reflect on where you are on both axes. Because then you realize, mm, I'm tilting towards this a little bit. Maybe that's good in some aspects, and maybe it's not so good in other situations. Maybe I should sort of pay attention to this. And we're not, and Thomas, we're not talking an exact science. I've had people say, Mark, you are obviously an extrovert because you're always talking to people. And I'm talking in, in public. Well, that's because I'm interested in people's stories. I want to hear, I find people fascinating, but... I tend to be more of the introvert. Uh, I, I find alone yes, time okay. very, very energizing to me. And I think I tilt more toward the task uh, orientation versus being very, very people-centric. Uh, but that doesn't mean I can't go one or the other. So it's fair, it's, it's fair to say we're talking what is your typical tendency, correct, on these axes? Exactly. It's what's what feels most natural for you, what comes completely natural. I mean, let's say, I mean, I can tell because this is what I do and I've been doing it for 30 years that you are not a typical extrovert. And I understand because we have so we have danced back and forth on email a little bit. So I can tell that you you know what you're doing. You obviously know what you're doing and you're probably very good at it also. But you like to prepare yourself and you 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 ha- you handed over a sheet to me. This will be topics in general, not specific questions, but what about this? And you ask me very politely, is this okay? Could you talk about that? And so on. So so you care about me, but you have a system that you follow. And basically that would be put you in one of the boxes in this matrix. But in, what is interesting is what you just said, uh, the last thing you said there, the typical way, the natural style, it's not a fixed style because you can put yourself on a stage and deliver uh, a well-prepared, inspiring talk because it's part of the job, right? And there you probably will be entertaining and you will be preparing some, some jokes probably and you will lighten up. Uh, you know, uh, everything in the room, the atmosphere will be positive because you know you have sort of uh, trained yourself to do that. Some people have this naturally. They just stand there and and, and be, you know, the wow, the full-time entertainer. They can't explain how they are doing it. Which method is better? I don't know. That's not even the point. But the good news is, as you said, we can learn to act in another way than than we are... Well, not born with it's more complicated than that, obviously, but still it comes natural to us. I myself was more extroverted when I was young, and the extroverted relation-oriented type, meaning I talked a lot without thinking. I just opened the lid at the front and out came. I didn't know. I thought I was funny and 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 spiritual, you know, and, and people looked at me and said, Do you ever listen to yourself? That was another part of the feedback I got when I was younger. <laughs> but anyways, 
Let's continue, shall we? <laughs> One thing, and, and I've already hinted about this, what I like about what you've done with DISC is instead of the letters, you're using colors and you're using colors in conjunction with this two by two matrix. Again, I think that's brilliant. I don't know of any other disc providers out there that have done this. I would just say that the colors are very, very sticky. I now know what a red is. I know what a yellow is. I didn't have to think about it. I know what a blue is. So having said that, just real quickly, high level, what's a red? And let's just go around the wheel uh, quickly. And by the way, since I said red, let's start with the reds because reds are the ones who write me big checks every month. So I do like reds. Reds are really good, of course. Yes, they are. Well, they are decisive, very fast forward, very goal oriented, uh, competitive, straightforward. People say we got to, you know, have an open communication here, you know, and, and they are the only ones that can give it to you and that can take it from you. They will say, of course, we're going to be honest with each other. Let's, you know, cut the crap, cut the BS. What do you want from me? I want more money. Okay. Well, then you have to work harder and then I will give you some, you know. It's kind of an easy, straightforward kind of communication, I would say. If you look at the yellow ones, who are also extroverted, but people-oriented, they are also, let's say, result-focused, but in a smoother, kinder, sort of more, uh, let's say, fine-tuned way they smile a lot you know and that they see positive things everywhere and they can be a little bit uh, let's say they are very good communicators everything they say comes out as brilliant and sunshine and the sun is always shining by the way even if it's raining because you know the sun is always shining somewhere now isn't it and, and so you kind of like them too but they're they're harder to sort of put down in a chair, you know, put them in a chair and, and get some straightforward answers because uh, they use so many words. So, so you have to sort of sort out all the fluffy stuff because it's in there. But they're friendly and, and kind and everything. And the other relation-oriented part, that's the green side. It stands for stability in, in my version of the disc. They like uh, to be stable, very caring, very sharing, much more low key, you know, very, very good listeners. They actually hear what you say. And you know what, Mark? They will remember what you said, especially if it was something negative, especially if it was something neg negative about the green person. That's going to be filed on shelf 1A for, you know, the eternity. Uh, but they won't tell you because they are very conflict avert. They don't like conflicts, disagreements, arguments. Ooh, only bullies argue. We get along here. Whenever you hear, which I do sometimes, you hear somebody saying, well, in my relationship, we haven't argued in 18 years. And I usually th say to myself, oh, my God, who knows what's underneath that? Whenever this blows up, you know, it's going to be heard. 50 kilometers. But anyways, and then you have the last profile, the blue ones which is task-oriented introverts, uh, which would give you an engineer or a tax sheriff or, or an accountant, maybe. Precise, detail-oriented, very analytical. Uh, they love details. They love facts and proof. How do you know this? Is there a book? Can I read it? Well, it's in German. You know, Well, give me the orig original transcript because there has been some translation errors, so that's very... Very unfortunate. So, so give me that. But you don't read German. Well, I can translate it myself, you know. But they always, always go back to the source because they need to know what have you done with this. And it's very hard to discuss with them because they know everything. They will never jump into a conversation just for the fun of talking to people. They will do their homework. And then when they say, well, you know, I don't think that is correct, actually. Pay attention because they will actually take you down if you don't pay attention, really. That would be the basics. I I have like a dozen questions, Thomas, but because we have to go on, let me just interject. Bring it on. Well, let me interject one question because we, we got more material to cover. For anyone who is just slightly in doubt, who may be a, a, a doubting Thomas, who just, I just prove it to me, I don't believe this, which is where I was about 20 plus years ago. I would say create a leadership team and everyone is a blue. 
nothing's going to get done. Oh, or create a leadership. Not, they're going to plan themselves into the year of three thousand. <laughs> or, or let's make up some more plans. <laughs> create a leadership team of all greens. Nothing's going to get done. Create a lead. Now you may think this could be controversial. Create a leadership team of all reds. That's going to be chaos. So I'm just saying yeah. that if you don't believe this, find a group of people that are like-minded and just watch them get a project done. It's going to go nowhere. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but am I right on that? Yeah, absolutely. On the spot. But the thing is, and it's I think everybody knows this really. People kind of sort of if you if you don't have any diversity whatsoever, it's gonna be a total mess. And the, the example with I've seen all these kind of management teams. I see in the blue ones, the green ones, but the green ones are interesting. That's very quiet, very calm, but nobody's taking any decisions because who am I to tell you what to do? I can't do that. No, 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 no. You you, you go along and, and give me some instructions. No, no, who am I? You know, nothing happens. I've seen it. That's kind of a popular here in Sweden, it's a kind of a popular leadership standard because they are so kind and so friendly. The funniest team would be the yellow ones because they will run around and, and, and you know, shout out super not well thought out ideas and they will be inspirational and they will take no notes. They won't find their, find their pencils or their papers or anything, anything. So nothing's going to happen. The, the red ones are the most common team, I would say, because the red people tend to, like cream, race to the top because they have sharper elbows than anybody else. That's that's a fact. Not saying they are the best leaders, but they can take the heat. Right. And it's lonely at the top. They don't care because the top is the top. And they are not here to make friends. That's what differs them from, from, from everybody else. Well, not the blue ones, maybe. Uh, but if you put eight people in the management team, and I see in those two, that's gonna be that's gonna be loud voices screaming, yelling, you know, pointing with your full hand, you know, uh, order giving, you know, and shouting. But the, the interesting thing is you and I might react on it, but they don't right. because conflict is just another, another way to communicate now, isn't it? So for them, it's kind of a raised voice. It's more of a, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just passionate, you know, I have to scream a little bit and shake you up a little bit. So, so you sort of pay attention to what I'm saying, you know, and, and the biggest alpha is, is the winner probably. It's 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 like they don't cooperate. It's like watching three-year-olds, you know, digging sand, you know, on the beach. From from a from a distance, it looks like they're playing it together. But when you get closer, you see they have each spade and a bucket, you know, and, and they are working on them themselves by themselves all the time. Really. No cooperation, no collaboration at all, unless they have to, which they usually don't, because they are surrounded by idiots more than others. That is a fact. <laughs> the next question may be nuanced, but it's not a true statement that we're dominant in just one color. We may be dominant and then have a secondary dominance, if that's the right word. Is that, is that correct? Or maybe a combination of at least two colors? In, in general, you have something of each and every color within you. Uh, you have some red, some yellow, some green, some blue, but statistically speaking, two of these bars are higher than the others. You are usually 80% of the people are dominated by two specific colors. And it could be any combination. The most common ones are the ones who are attached to each other, red and yellow, yellow and green, and green and blue, and, or blue and, 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 uh, and red. Uh, why that is, that's another story, but it's usually the case. You have some people who, like myself, have three colors, 15% of three colors. 5% uh, of the population are usually showing only one color. That does not mean they are like my wife, who's only red, 98% red, actually, and a little bit uh, frustrated. Didn't I get 100% red? That's a stupid test. I'm going to do this again, you know, kind of sort of angry about that. And I said, take it easy. She's, she knows it, but she's has, she has self-awareness. She knows when to be quiet. She knows when to push me a little bit forward, you know, and when to sort of, she, she's really good at this, uh, really good because she has self-awareness. That's the key to all of it. You can have any profile if you are self-aware. It doesn't really matter. But the thing is, you have a natural style, the style, the combination of 
regardless what combination it is, you have a natural behavioral style, which is usually who you are when you don't have to adapt to anything, anywhere, anytime. Maybe it is, some people say, well, that's when you're sleeping, probably. Maybe when you're at home with your loved ones and you can actually be you. The true mark comes out and you can sort of say what you actually are thinking and you can express your opinions without getting any judgments or anything. You dare to be you. So that's your natural style. The problem or the challenge really is, of course, let's say that you go to work. Can you be you all the time? Actually, some people are. They usually stir things up a little bit. Usually you put on a mask. And then you have your adopted style. And then you act in a way that you think is the right way to act in this specific environment. Meaning, if I go from home and then I go into, I'm I'm a key account manager, let's say, for the sake of argument. My my analysis of, of my work is I need to push the blue factor up a little bit. So I go to work and then I act a little bit more analytical. I use my, my conscientiousness a little bit more and I get more precise with details and all of that stuff. Another guy at the other side of the desk, he might make a completely different analysis of the situation. So he pushes the yellow up because he means, well, I'm a salesman, you know, I'm a sales rep here. I need to be uh, positive, you know, and inspiring and a little bit uh, have my way with words and so on. So he pushes the blue factor down and the yellow factor up, which is kind of contradictory to what I do. So the mask we put on is our own assessment of the reality that we find ourselves in, which is kind of interesting and strange at the same time, because who knows who's right and who's wrong here? Only thing that matters is the result that you are achieving. And you're only going to find out afterwards. And that also means if you change your position, your occupation, you might change your profile into something else. But the true mark will always be the true mark. This show is about you, not me. But may I share one of my biggest takeaways with this whole topic, this whole conversation. I'll use RADS as an example. I'm a longtime consultant. I really do. When I say I love reds, I mean it. My close rate is nearly 100%. Now, I have an unfair advantage. Most of my work is from referrals. So they're predisposed. They're pre-qualified. They're predetermined. We want a mark-like person. I love reds because they never ask me about the cost. They always say, Mark, when can you get started? I mean, I could give you my script. They're going to say, Mark, when can you get started? We didn't talk about price. In my work, I hate when the CEO is a blue. And you know why I'm going to say it. I need more information. Shoot me. <laughs> I don't want to work for a blue. I'm a blue. I don't want to work for myself. And, and <laughs> greens are interesting. I, I have a wife of... 37 years, she's a green. When I'm a bad day, that's the person. I love greens. I also believe a green should be on every leadership team. If you don't have a green, you're, you're, you're limited. So my big takeaway is these colors, I'm not necessarily using them to figure out who I am. I'm using them to figure out how to accommodate their natural tendencies. Now, I'm not becoming them because that's one of the suggestions in the book. I'm not imitating them. I'm just accommodating them. I'm still going to do my voluminous homework, whether the red asks for it or not. I always start with the last page. But if he or she wants to figure out, hey, what's on page eight, we'll go there. And and so my my big takeaway is being an accommodator to these people and then trying to respond in the way that is accommodating to them and their matrix, if you will. I just want to say that's my big, that's not a question, but that's how I appreciate the way you've taken this complicated subject and have really simplified it for all of us. One question that I get quite often is, uh, how do I change myself? 
how can I become another person? Some people who are completely in the lacking green, for instance, as, as you mentioned, I mean, the greens in the team, they are the glue that kind of puts everybody together. You know, they sort of, okay, take it easy. Let's grab a cup of coffee and, and breathe a little bit and see where we can sort of sort things out. They are excellent, excellent players in this way. They are always working for the team. They are excellent at this. They might be the most easiest ones to, to sort of wrap your head around because they hide their emotions quite well. But they are, they are gluing everything together. But the thing is, people say to me, I want to be more green or I want to be more red. Red is actually the color people usually say they are when they are not. Because red, you know, a kind of decisive and alpha male kind of character. That sounds pretty cool. I'm probably red, they say, and then they look at me like I'm going to scare them. And I said, no, I don't think you are. Don't be somebody that you're not. But that's not the same thing as saying be yourself all the time, because that's where the problem starts. If you would act blue with the red CEOs that you just mentioned, uh, they're not going to listen. Yeah, we have to go uh, go all the way to page eight here and read it thoroughly. And then you have something, you know, you, you read it to them, which blue sales guys kind of do to me sometimes. They read their own manuscript. And I say, I could read that myself. Give me something that's not in the paper. What, what are you doing? Well, this is usually how we are doing it. And they, because they don't adapt at all. That doesn't work. What you have to do is find a way to, as you said, accommodate. You have to, you have to find the small things that you can mirror the other person without sort of violating your own personality. Because when you are trying, especially the longer you are trying, the more you're trying to be someone you're not, you're going to feel really, really bad. That's going to stress you out completely. And there are some signs saying if you put on the mask that actually puts you in a completely different corner. Let's say that you're blue and you you can act yellow for an hour, maybe for two hours. But then you have to sort of go back into yourself and sort of recharge, you know, and have a silent afternoon and sort of just oh, melt all the expressions, you know, and digest what happened that afternoon. And, and if you can't do that, because now there's a party and then there's another exhibition and you have to do this and that, it's going to just burn you out. That's just what's happened. So you need to understand where you are. You need to understand how much you can, let's say, tweak your own behavior in a certain situation. But it's okay to be you. The easiest way is to sort of withdraw a little bit and go green, act green, be a good listener, be a good observer. Don't act red if you're not red. Just play them. And if they say, when can you get started? Then you look in your calendar and say, Thursday at 9 a.m. What about that? Oh, that's good. You don't have to be harsh, you know, and brutal and dominant, but you can give them what they want. And that you can do as long as you know what they want. But it's good to know where you come from because the yellow will, will, will accommodate the red behavior in another way than a green person will do it, actually. So it's good to understand yourself too. It sounds like a cliche. I know that, but self-awareness for me, that has been the key for 30 years, something. Ex definitely. Exactly. Exactly. So I have, after reading the book, I have these curiosity questions and I've been dying mm -hmm. to ask these questions. Uh, number one, and I don't want, I mean, you're in Sweden, uh, I'm in the U.S., so I don't want to get into legalities, you know, what, what, what our governments allow or don't allow. Let's just talk pragmatics, practicality. Do you recommend or should recruiters use DISC for hiring? Or are there potential negatives that could be associated when it comes to hiring, how should these tools be used, specifically DISC? That's, a, that's, of course, the right question, because can it be dangerous to use different kinds of assessment tools, whatever the name is, if it's MBTI or if it's the Big Five or if it's DISC or, or Colby or, or uh, StrengthsFinder, whatever. You can always misuse the tool itself. It's like social media or smartphones or cars. The wrong person can 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 create a mess by misusing it, and we have seen this actually. If you remember, I mean, you had this 
I hope I'm not uh, doing something uh, insensitive now, but you had a Trump election some years ago, and you also had the Brexit um, poll uh, in, in the UK some years ago. And uh, the results was played of something called Cambridge Analytica. And they used the five-factor model or the big five in order to actually analyze Facebook users and send specific information to them in order to fiddle with the result and make people vote in a certain way. For good, but this has been a huge uh, scandal here in Europe, and they went bust completely. They have vanished from the face of the earth. They were bragging about how they could use a specific tool to manipulate, uh, well, the voters. Actually, that is actually these are not my words. You can find this online easily, Cambridge Analytica, and that only tells us. I mean, if you have a great tool, but you're up to something, you're up to no good at all. Then you can misuse it, and then you can actually manipulate uh, the opinions. You can manipulate a whole population. You can man manipulate the people. You can manipulate the working place. You can manipulate your 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 employees or your manager, for that matter, by misusing it. That's why I wrote the second book in the series, uh, because people misuse this kind of knowledge. And as it comes to recruitment, well, we're all biased in some way, right? Some people like extroverts because they just do or some people dislike extroverts because well who knows why for some reason if you are using a tool and you see oh this is an extrovert oh that's gonna give us some trouble let's go for the introverted candidate instead is this good or is it bad of course it's bad if you're looking for the best candidate you have two guys with a sort of a kind of a similar resume same kind of background, same kind of education experiences, and the same same uh, feedback from their previous uh, bosses and everything. You can't divide them. You can say, who's the best candidate? Well, let's see. Let's look at the personality. Let's say let's take a look at the behavioral patterns, and you see, okay, this one is blue and red. He is task oriented. Oh, that's good because he's going to be focused on work. He's not going to talk too much in the open office landscape, you know, and distracting uh, his colleagues and everything. The other candidate, he's green and yellow. Oh, he's a people's person. He's really good when it comes to working in teams and so on. So how are you going to assess this? It depends on so many factors. So the answer is, Yes and no. It depends on what you're looking for, I guess. If you have a really, really experienced recruiter, let's say, and he or she is not extremely biased, then it's going to be very, very helpful. It's going to be truly beneficial for everybody. If you have a team of 10 blue people or a team of 10 yellow people, do you need another yellow guy in this team? The answer is obvious, right? Oh, he's yellow. Oh, no, we need something else. I like him, but, you know, even more yellow. Is this what we really need in the team? We need somebody who can understand the Excel sheets, right? Let's go for the blue one instead. So then it can be helpful. So it depends on, I would say, the conductor, I guess. My big concern, and this is for really the U.S. audience, there is a certain... CEO organization. Now I'm not, I'm not condemning them. I'm not criticizing them, but there is a certain affective or personality assessment that this organization touts. My concern is that this particular assessment are the CEOs really doing some decent analytics to show that Hey, when I hire this type of person, I'm getting X. You know, is there a strong correlation? Yes, that's that's the analytical person in me talking. But sometimes I see CEOs jumping on these tools without really understanding cause effect correlation. That's just a, a concern that I uh, that I have. Another quick question regarding: Let's take disk validity. And reliability. Now, this is the question that the blue is going to ask, but is it fair to ask how valid, how reliable are these results? 
maybe one way to ask the question is if I am high long in the tooth on blue, your wife is long in the tooth in red, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, we would call that reliability if we score about the same. And then validity, I, I think, is is appropriate to ask. How do those two terms apply in the world of DISC? And I hope that's not too complicated or too scientific of, of a question, Thomas. Well, I can... You, I can give you a really long-winded answer to this. We could talk for two hours about specifically reliability is actually the more interesting part, I would say. Uh, I looked into several different kinds of tools. The validity and reliability for the disk is, well, it depends a little bit. As you were touching upon in the beginning of our conversation, there are more than one disk tool because there is no such thing as disk. That's more of a system. Nobody's owning disk as somebody's owning Myers-Briggs, for instance. That's a brand, you know. So disk isn't a brand. It's it's a system that you can use in a variety of, 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 of ways. But they say base, kind of basically the same, which is, well, it's complicated. But anyways, uh, the validity is, for, it's, for me, it was high enough even though, let's say, the big five is higher, but that's much more complicated, and it's also much more difficult to actually use in your daily life. But big five is a more advanced tool. Uh, I don't remember disk uh, 80. Ooh. The re- reliability is more interesting. And also, how reliable is it? Well, it depends on who you're asking, really. That was a blue cre- question mark, and I, I appreciate it because you put your finger on something quite interesting and, and sort of fun, funny too, because if you ask red people, they will say, well, I think I think I recognize myself. It's reliable in, let's say, 91%, not a percent less. The rest you can keep. 91, that's it. If you ask the yellow people, they will say 94%. Why is that? Well, they are positive. They have just read a little book about themselves and they see all the nice stuff. They never read page 16 that talks about weaknesses, you know, and, and uh, no, no, let's skip that page. But they, they see, oh, I am inspiring and I, I people like me. I'm a good buddy, you know. So they will say 94%. They never read the whole assessment, basically, because it's too many words. If you go to the Greens, they will say, no, 85%. So why are they assessing it so much less than the other ones? Why? Well, they saw the bad parts. They saw the weaknesses and 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 and, and the bad stuff. They saw that they are conflict avert and and scared of raised voices and such. And and they are not completely honest all the time because they agree with whoever is speaking. Let's go west. Yeah, let's do that. Well, let's go east. Let's do that. Well, that's impossible at the same time. That's true also, you know. So they will agree with everybody to avoid conflict. And they see this as negative feedback, as criticism. If you go to the blue ones, they will say 82% accuracy. Because that's kind of only confirming the blue behavior. They are kind of suspicious. Who are who are you to tell me who I am? I, I don't believe you. I have actually an interesting story. A lady who was uh, super blue, she told me, usually when I hand out these, when I do the workshops uh, and I, I, I hand out the report at the end of the first day, they do it as a prerequisite before so they won't get biased when they fill in the form. So I, had, I, I trained them for a day and then I gave them the assessment, take it home, read it over the, the evening and then come back in the morning and see and she gave me her paper and she had underscored everything. And I said, wow, you recognize everything. No, no, quite the opposite. These are the things that I don't buy. It's super lousy. It's worthless. It's I don't recognize anything. I think it's a stupid tool. You should just scrap it in front of the group. And I said, well, okay, See, worthless. Interestingly enough, I met her, I would say, 18 months later, something, and she gave me a big hug, which is also kind of of uh, unexpected from a blue person because they don't like to be touched by strangers, if you know what I'm physically touched. And she said, oh, hi, Thomas, so good to see you. You know, 
you cannot believe me. And then she brought up the, the paper out of her handbag and said, look at this. This is brilliant. Then she had sort of used uh, her marker in, in uh, I don't remember the color, probably light blue or something, and crossed all the sentences again with another marker. And she said, you know, I have observed myself for 18 months. This is 100% correct. Thank you. And then she left. Because she needed to see, see it with her own eyes. That's a blue behavior. So they would say, 82, that's all you get. I don't trust you. I don't trust this. What is this, actually? So reliability depends, to be honest. Even if the reliability factor result is, say, under 80% for this particular assessment, it does not invalidate what is true today. If someone is completely, totally honest with the, t- the way they take the assessment and get the results back, if it's true, again, that's not going to invalidate if that person's personality or mindset begins to change over the next 15, uh, 20 years. So I, I still like, I, I still like the question, but it's one of those curiosity questions. Before we wrap up, we talked about inertia uh, earlier and I want to hit it one last time, one more time. Let's take, let's take a team that I don't work with a lot. Um, let's take marketing teams Maybe it's a 10, 15 uh, team of, of marketers. Again, if they are all yellows or if they're all greens, that could present some problems of not getting work done. Even in the world of FP&A, uh, financial planning and analysis, which, by the way, is a large professional group, I would say even larger outside the U.S., that within the U.S., probably lots and lots and lots of blues. Uh, I would even contest for every organization that has at least 10 to 15 people in their FP&A department, have a green, have a yellow, have a red. So in your consulting, is that something that you try to emphasize, having some breadth uh, of these colors within specific teams? The short answer is yes, I do. The best result would come from the team with the broadest, let's say, perspective in mind. If you have, well, let's call it diversity, and you can use the term diversity in, in any aspect that you like, but let's talk about behaviors and personalities. It's best to solve problems when you have as many angles as possible. As, as many sort of when you, you come from all the kinds of directions, this doesn't show because it's only audio, but you can see what I'm doing here. But the, the thing is, to, it's impossible to have three reds, three yellows, three greens and three blues because the, the market, the recruitment market doesn't look like that. That's not, not, not how the world. I mean, there are five times more green people than there are red people in the industrialized world, let's call it. That's just the way it is. Who knows why that is? I don't know. Mother Nature and so on. But the thing is this. Let's say that you have a great, you recognize this and you sort of put a team together that is very diverse. You have actually a good part of all the colors, all the features that they get. There's going to be great discussions and it's going to be some arguing and so on. What you have to add is a leader of that team actually can, 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 uh, who are so skilled that he or she actually can deal with all of it because he or she needs to understand all parts of red behavior, all parts of yellow, green, and blue, and they need to understand how to make them cooperate in the best possible way. Diversity, yes, but if you have a a poor leader, it's going to be chaos. That is also true. Then it's easier to have kind of sort of only extroverts red and yellows in the team maybe because they will recognize each other's energy levels and and support them and all of that same thing with introverts the greens and the blue ones they will also recognize that kind of energy and they will sort of uh, you know be very uh, supportive and all of that thing so that those teams are easier to lead they will probably more efficient because all the quarreling about different views and so on is easier to to handle 
but still it's not it's it's not it's not utopia that is why i these days i only work with with top management because if top management is sort of in it together with us we can make this work much better as you know rain is always pouring downwards a very worn out cliche i know that but it's true if it happens in a top management team it might happen in the middle management and at the bottom if i may use that language and if you have a mess in the top management team it's going to be messy all the way down that is just the fact i've seen it too many times to to turn my 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 uh, eyes away from it. We'll have this in the show notes, but where or how can we learn more about your work, Thomas? Well, you can obviously follow me on different kinds of social medias, and I have a webpage surrounded by idiots. I have a executive uh, coaching program that I open sometimes, uh, not all the time. I have a, a kind of a short list on, on clients. But uh, people who are interested in my way of, of doing this can absolutely contact me. Contact info is, uh, is on the webpage. And, uh, and uh, uh, I have a YouTube channel also, struggling with learning about YouTube. So let's see where I, I can take that one. <laughs> and, and, and again, I've yeah. watched several of your videos. You are, I just enjoy listening uh, to you. And I, I appreciate the passion and and it's it's it to me it looks like it just comes natural for you and you you love your topic. We ask we ask every guest this question. If you're not a big time reader, that's completely okay. Uh, but what books uh, do you like now? In the now in the surrounded by idiots, that book I have to confess I've not read your follow up book, and I promise I will. But at the end of surrounded by idiots, you have a list of about couple of dozen books, but what are some of your favorite books, whether it's in that appendix or uh, outside of it? My latest favorite is another huge bestseller. That's Atomic Habits by James Clear. Yes. Excellent piece of work. Excellent. Science-based, but written in a way that I understood. I am so grateful. Excellent piece of work. I recommend it to everybody. I have given it to, I don't know how many hundreds of people. I buy boxes of it because it's absolutely superb. One of my longtime favorites, however, that is a book by Susan Jeffers. You probably read that one as well. I think it's 20, 25 years old now. That is, you heard the title before, I'm, I'm sure. Feel the fear, do it anyway. That, that one has helped me personally in my career. Feel the fear, do it anyway. And the main message is, well, it's in the title, basically. There will always be fear. You will always be scared of something. You can never get away from the fear when it comes to relationships, when it comes to your kids or your parents or your health or your your finances or your work or your career or anything. It's going to be there. Learn how to deal with it. And I did. And I am challenging myself on a weekly basis these days, which I didn't 25 years ago. That is one of the best books ever written. Thomas, this is, I look forward to this interview. I, I, of course, I, people who listen to this, friends of mine will say, you say that to everybody, but I, I was, I was, again, I was a little giddy about this. And, and again, I've watched some of your videos. I thought this is going to be very interesting and and I appreciated the feedback you were providing me in an email once as we were getting this set up. So again, I cannot thank you enough. You're such a, I cannot think of a better word, such a delightful person to, uh, to listen to. Uh, again, this is, oh, I've enjoyed you're flattering this. me enough. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. It's been my pleasure too, obviously. You are listening to CFO Bookshelf. Lifelong learning for financial leaders. And now back to our host, Mark Gandy. Thomas Erickson, the author of Surrounded by Idiots. Thanks to the lifelong research of Kathy Colby, I'm a believer in the three parts of the human mind, the cognitive, the affective, and the cognitive. If you are a user of personality assessments, also called affective, affective assessments, I highly encourage you 
to do your homework on the cognitive part of the mind too. Now, I'm not purposely excluding cognitive assessments because you already have your way of measuring cognitive abilities in other people. Guys, we need to call this a wrap. I'm Mark Gandy, and thank you for listening to CFO Bookshelf. 